The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. Well, hello there. I'm Shane Ray filling in for the lovely On Air with Nicole. Tonight on Central Indiana Today, we're going to dive into the, dive into the archives, that is, and bring you an interview I did with Casey Petrowski uh, a few years ago. Casey is the host of The Beatles Show. You hear that every Sunday at noon right here on WYRZ. And I thought that would be an opportunity for you to get to know him a little bit better. So here's our interview with Casey Petrowski, host of The Beatles Show. Casey, how are you? Yes. Um, like I told you, a little bit sick, but glad to talk to you, Shane. Always glad to talk to you. Well, good. I'm glad, to, glad that uh, you made a little time for us. So let's. Uh, I'm going to go just right at the beginning. Where, you, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Um, uh, Dad was a uh, railroad man. My mom worked in a department store and... I uh, spent a lot of time listening to uh, rock and roll radio stations and fell in love with the Beatles like everybody else in 1964. Now, in, in Buffalo, now, did you, uh, and I've heard some of the air checks from your time in Buffalo. How did you get into radio? I started when I was 15. The, the uh, radio station in Buffalo, this was just after the FCC passed a rule that said that if a company owned an AM and an FM in the same market, they couldn't simulcast. They couldn't carry the same programming on both stations. So uh, there was a station that had an AM and an FM, and they had to do something with the FM, so they decided... Well, first, the AM station was a rock and roll station, and uh, they were looking for high school reporters. So I went down there and was a high school reporter. I'd go in every week and cut a little blurb about what was going on at my school. And then when they made the switch over to the FM station also being a rock station, they, they brought in a bunch of uh, college and high school kids, and I was the youngest of 200 disc jockeys. And then they cut the staff from 200 to 18, and I made that cut. And then there was a terrible windstorm in Buffalo right off Lake Erie, and it literally blew the tower down. And the station was off the air for 10 months, and there went my radio career uh, at that point. Then I went away to college, uh, worked at the college radio station. That's virtually all I did at college, was work at the college radio station. I, I got good grades, but that was through scamming, not through any, any work I did. And then got a, got a job when I was uh, a senior in, in college at a great radio station, which is probably the one you heard from, well, maybe not, you may have heard me in Cincinnati, at uh, WKBW in Buffalo, New York one of the absolute the, the best radio station I have ever heard and easily the best radio station I ever worked at now were you I mean now the radio stations in New York are legendary at least during the late 60s early 70s were there any other names there that we might recognize well uh, Joey Reynolds was there that's probably the biggest name and then there were other people um that are legendary in Buffalo, certainly, and mm-hmm. anybody who's familiar with the station, Danny Nevereth, Stan Roberts, Jay Nelson, um, um, Jack Armstrong, Sandy mm-hmm. Beach, yeah. and, and I, I worked with almost all of those guys. Anyway, uh, Jennings is next. Uh, he, we have our own Jennings, folks, and he's going to do the 7 o'clock news on W... He's hacking right now, clearing his throat, on WKBW 1520 Buffalo News is next. Stay tuned for Jack Armstrong, the All-American boy. Boy! The All-American Boy, and we'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock, okay? News is next at 7 o'clock. WKBW Buffalo, radio news breakout. Buffalo Police. Today, it's 70 degrees. This is Alan Jennings, KB Radio News. Jackson Armstrong, WKBW Radio News. 
Page is a palm reader, you know. Is that so? Yeah, you really got to hand it to him. He's a palm reader. They were not only great talent, uh, and, and that's something you don't can't apply to a lot of people in radio anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the nature of the business doesn't allow that to, to blossom. Uh, but they were great people. They were more than willing. They're, they're just great guys and uh, great people to work with too. And you know, I, it, it, I, I often compare it to the a kid who's being a Yankee fan, being called up from the minor leagues and playing in the outfield with Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. That's how I felt. Well, Casey, here's what your program director Jefferson K in 1972 had to say about you. Casey Petrowski graduated from college this year, State University of New York, and has the worst voice in radio. He also has one of the quickest minds I've ever had the chance to work with. He's young, he needs a lot of seasoning, but boy, is he good. A sound heard only by dogs and Buck Rogers. And girls that I have dated. Oh, I already mentioned dogs. I'm sorry. 26. Make it 426 in Buffalo, 326 in Chicago, though 226 in Windsor. This is Casey Petrowski. This is the nut hour on the Petrowski weekend thing with Bob. Casey Petrowski on the radio. Thing I'm bobbing along until 5 o'clock. Again, for those of you who missed it, runs is RNZZ. That's the four letter word you've never heard before on the radio. That is a Swedish word for bad breath and sheep. Okay, take that down. Daniel Webster, notwithstanding, that's the word. Without you by my side, I'm going away. Oh, thank you, sir. Keep your hands to yourself, please. You know, what you've heard of KB doesn't tell the whole story. There are not many programmers that would take a chance on a kid like Petrowski, but that doesn't say that I'm daring or a visionary. You see a bit that'll fit, and you use it. It's the same with people. His kind of voice and humor can make it with us, as can a lot of things that we do that many programmers would feel break all the rules. But then you think, who makes the rules? I don't know if I, uh, if I was worth it at that point, was deserving of that, but I, I cherish it. It was one of the greatest memories of all time. And then, luckily... Um, as as things worked out, uh, once we started doing the Beatles show, or as we started doing the Beatles show, um, the radio station which had been struggling, as an, it was an AM station, as any AM station was doing when they were trying to play music, they went back to playing the kind of music that they played when I was a kid. They played 50s and 60s um, oldies, mm-hmm. and they brought back some of the old staff, and they put the Beatles show back on, and I literally prayed for many years to go back on that radio station. That prayer literally was answered <laughs> when I went back on the on the air there on that station, which was just great. One, one, one of my you know, a real blessings. Yeah. Great memory. Well, that's a great story. Let's back up just a hair. What made you, I mean, were the people on the radio your idol? Is that what made you say, man, that's something I want to do? I, I, you know, I don't know what made I always wanted to, to work in show business. I mean, that's like the first memory I can think of. Um and I think the thing was that when I was listening to radio in those days, you had, you, you could listen to people who were, um, they could make you laugh, they could make you think, they could ad-lib, they could do voices, they could write jokes, <laughs> and they played great music. Right. You know? So it was like everything I liked, all in one. <laughs> and and, uh, quite, and, and I, I teach now part-time, and, in, and I've done that for a number of years, and one of the things I've learned about teaching or as a teacher is that there are three ways people can learn you either learn by doing something by by seeing something or by hearing something and apparently i have mine is the auditory i learn by listening so that uh, not quite understanding it until just a year or so ago it's a natural that i would have gravitated at least at first towards radio because that's just how my brain operates most effectively now, uh, after doing a little more research, yeah, you, you mentioned it earlier. You uh, went to Cincinnati, and that was Cincinnati W. What, uh, w S. What's you go ahead? Where was it? 
Casey Petrowski in the radio. I don't uh, <coughs> usually uh, talk about my personal life on the radio, but uh, uh, very traumatic experiences just happened in my family. Seems my sister uh, flew out to Hollywood to try to be a contestant on uh, Let's Make a Deal, and uh, she disguised herself as a postage stamp. And while she was waiting in line, she was jumped and gang licked. W S A I. Casey Petrowski, the All American Boy in your radio. Until midnight tonight. Wings on the Casey Petrovsky show. I was reading uh, Dear Abby's column in there the other day, and uh, she had a letter about wife swapping. Isn't that disgusting, wife swapping? I know in my family's case, my father would never swap my mother. For him, it was strictly cash on the line. Casey Petrovsky, WSAI. WSAI, Casey Petrovsky and your radio until midnight. You know, I'm always talking about my dog, Charlie. I got a letter here from my mom that mentions him, and I just, I really don't understand it. You know, she talks about how things are back home. And she says down here, and I hope Charlie likes his job at the newspaper. I, I don't understand that at all. I know what she's talking about. I was talking to her on the phone the other night, and she asked me what Charlie was doing, and I told her he was working on the newspaper. Yucky. WSA. That's Olivia Newton-John on the Casey Petrowski Show. You know, we always like to keep you on top of what's going to be happening on TV, so let's check a preview here. Oh, here we go. Next week on Ironsides, Ironsides decides to stay in the office and have friend give him a lube job. Night. W-S-A-R. That's it for me for tonight. Thank you for listening. I'll see you tomorrow night at 8, or whichever comes first. Doug Silver next in sound from the Midwest Music Authority after Mark Tip the News. Have a good evening and a good day tomorrow. Until tomorrow night at 8. Nerd is glum. And, and enjoy Cincinnati. Great, great people. And a, and a very nice town. And I've also heard, I think I've heard some air checks of the Cincinnati, uh, your time in Cincinnati. Now, and you mentioned something there, and I'm going to jump right into it, was... Um, was the reason to go to California, uh, was it for radio? Was it to be closer to the show business type, or what was it? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I am an actor. I'm right. not working very much, in all honesty, but I, I'm an actor, so you, you have to come out here. This is where, you know, like John Lennon said, he had to go to New York City, because that was Mecca. Well, for me, for somebody who always wanted to really be a comedian, to get laughs, mm-hmm. Los Angeles was the place I had to go. I had hoped to come out here, and with my success start working in radio right away that didn't happen immediately and i frankly looking back if i had had a little more uh brains probably a little better judgment i would have done a little more uh legwork i'd have come out here a couple of times networked a little bit and come out here and had a job working doing something in radio somewhere and that would have i think uh facilitated things for me a little bit better didn't happen and that's just the way things play out yeah. and we just you know you wind up you wind up making adjustments and, and making your connections and doing your networking you know another way for, for someone who didn't really know very many people when he came out there, I don't think I've done too badly, and we're still, you know, and we're, and we're still fighting the fight. Now you mentioned something. You mentioned something a little earlier uh, about WKRP, and I did not know this about you. Of course, being a classic radio guy and a lover of old rock and roll on the AM, I grew up watching WKRP, and you know where I'm going with this. I know all the episodes 
I didn't necessarily read all the credits, I'll have to admit, but after doing a little research on you, I found out you wrote one of the episodes. I did, yeah. And that was the contest that no one could win? Yes. Boy, thank you. Boy, you really did do your research. I love that one. As soon as I saw the title, I knew all about it. I knew the dungarees versus the suits and all the the, the lines. And I had no idea that that was you. So how did you make that connection? It was... was, um kind of a dumb you know I, before I left Cincinnati I wrote them if, if I can remember correctly now I wrote a letter to uh, I knew the show was was going on uh-huh. and I this again looked like something that was just meant to be because Hugh Wilson the the, uh, the creator of the show mm-hmm. had thought about calling the show WKRP in Buffalo which is where I worked and didn't want that <laughs> chose WKRP in Cincinnati so it just seemed like ordained that I would have something to do with the show. And I wrote to him, and um, I forget who I wrote to, and I got a letter back from his secretary, Lisa Levin, and then I'm out here in Los Angeles, and uh, somehow they had my phone number, and they called me up, and they they did something very unusual in that they brought in a bunch of new writers uh, to look at two episodes of the show, and, and I was one of them. And uh, they said, go home and, and uh, you know, think up a bunch of story ideas, come in and pitch them to us, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. And I pitched them the idea that, I pitched them, I, I came in with like 24 ideas, grossly overprepared. <laughs> and spent a little time editing together uh, the, the jingle, the, the contest that nobody could wa- uh, <laughs> win was based on something that actually happened at WKBW in Buffalo. That's exactly had, what I was going to ask you, was it based yeah, on a true story? It, we had a contest, and KB in those days, uh, was owned by uh, Cap Cities, uh, and Cap Cities was notoriously cheap. They wouldn't give us any money for promotions, and somehow they 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 split money for uh, a trip somewhere. So and and we didn't have big contests that often. We had incredible ratings, which proves that if you have good stuff on the radio, you don't have to give away thousands of dollars a day. Something that most people who run radio stations don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we. Uh, we started promoting this contest. The man in the black bag, the man in the... We promoted it for weeks, just little teasers and then a little more details. And, all this, and we had this all set up to run. You, you're laughing because you, you know something like this has happened in your own experience. <laughs> and we put the... You know, we had longer promos. And then the contest went on the air. I, it was either the first or second day. Someone guessed the man in the black bag was Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. That's who it was. And all, you know, weeks of promotion, gone in two days. <laughs> You know, and, you know, again, that, that's a one opportunity to have a big promotion on the air, and it was gone. So that hung with me, and that was basically the idea that I morphed into the, the, the script I wrote for WKRP. It was the way, I don't know, I don't even remember how I wrote it. I remember what they did. I think I wrote it that it was going to be a $5, a $50 contest, and Johnny Fever misread it and said it was a $5,000 contest. At Hutchins Community Hospital, where malpractice is rapidly becoming a thing of the past. <laughs> So be sure to ask about those Hutchins gift certificates for the man who's contracted everything. <laughs> Say, we'll be diving right back into the music with the OJs in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you one more time about the incredible WKRP mystery music contest where you can win $5,000 in cash. That's right, we're talking about it, sweethearts. $5,000, and the contest starts this Friday. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your creditors. $5,000? The prize is not $5,000. You read the memo wrong. It's $50. $5,000 is the contest budget for the whole entire year. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And because they said that, they were stuck having to do it, and they decided, well, look, 
if we're gonna if, if we have a contest where we're supposed to give away five thousand dollars, we'll concoct a contest that nobody could win. And they it was gonna be a song ID identification contest where they put a montage of songs together mm-hmm. and they played it on uh, on the air. People have to call in, and I went into a pitch session and I spent time at uh, a college that I have uh, I, I, stuff I teach at sometimes here in Orange County and put together a jingle that said WKRP just from words that was uh, double from double loving from the Osmonds and I forget where I got K from and you came from George Harris I forget where I got the R from but I spelled out WKRP in this jingle that I wrote and took it in on a cassette and played it for him and I think that knocked them out and I they hired me to write the, the story in the script okay Mr. Pasola for $5,000 name these six songs Okay, Don, how about it? You ready to name those songs? Too wild to tape, the boys. Uh huh. Double of dice, rolling stones. Mm -hmm. YMCA, village people. Uh huh. Douglas Shade, Wayne Dude. Straight on by Art. Uh huh. National Anthem by Francis Scott Key. Congratulations, Mr. Pasola. You just won $5,000. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. $5,000. <laughs> Tell you what, we're going to put Mr. Pasola on hold here, but you know, and no didn't have an agent, money. which cost me a lot of money. But, um, <laughs> but I wasn't able to negotiate uh, a, a rerun of the show, they, and and that was the year of the strike, the year after. Oh you know, yeah, the year of a strike. So had I had I had an agent negotiated a rerun, my script would have played again, and I would have gotten a bunch more money. Plus, I worked for absolute scale, mm. and I might not have gotten much more than that, but. You know, but but I can't complain because I'm still getting checks. I'm, I'm I'm getting checks in my mailbox every every few months because of the DVD, which is you know, yeah. Now, Nana. now uh, not to cut you off, but now the, and I was so thankful when they finally released that first season on DVD. I've got it. Have right. you had a chance to go back and look and see if the, if there were any changes made to your episode? No, I don't even own the DVD yet. Oh, I, you know, I've, I'm I'm going to get it, but you know, I'm, I'm just. Um, it, it, We'll get to it when we get to it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm too busy doing too many other things to go back and look at what I've done. Yeah. I, I don't generally go back and, and look at a lot of my old stuff. Okay. Because there's other stuff to do. There's more stuff to more more new things to make. Well, speaking do. speaking of uh, moving on and more new things, let's jump into the Beatles show now. Tell us, uh, how did the idea of the Beatles show come? Is this something you always wanted to do? Not really. I was I was working at a radio station out here in Southern California, uh, and I did a joke on the air. Uh, this goes back to 1996, and I got suspended for a week, and I had a copy of the, um, of the employee handbook, a page of it, Xerox that put in my mailbox, uh, highlighted the line that says, under no circumstances um, should air talent try to be funny. <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, um, so I said, if this is where radio is now, if I can't, if, if I can't be funny that I don't want to work in radio anymore. Right. I, and so I quit. The only job in radio, I actually quit. And um, um, I was was fully satisfied at that point to walk away from radio. And if, if this wasn't the woman that I fell in love with, then I don't, I don't need to be with her anymore. Yeah. And that's how I felt. And then I was um, 
unemployed and was going to take a, a class at a local community college and overslept. It was a Saturday class in film production and overslept the first two weeks and I go in the following Monday of the third week of the semester and just stumble into an office in one of the, the, the buildings, one of the classroom, one of the office buildings really. And there was an open door and there was a guy in there and I went in and talked to him and I said, you know what I can do? And he pretty much blew me off. But his name turned out to be Craig Bright and he was the faculty advisor for the college radio station, uh, WPMD. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I walked out of the office and I walked back in and I said, you know, I, I started to tell him what I had done, including writing WKRP and at that point, 30 plus years in radio. And he was taken aback. And uh, I said, well, let me, I'm going to bring you some stuff to show you that I am not just jiving it. And I went home and brought in a whole a pile of stuff. Well, one of the instructional aides at the radio station, unbeknownst to me, was the guy that I worked with. Uh, he was a, a, a phone answerer at a radio station I worked at for a long time in Orange County, just adjacent to, to L.A. County, mm-hmm. suburban Los Angeles. And he just uh, uh, spoke... He just praised me effusively, and I, um, I, I, I saw Craig Bright again, and he said, uh, you know, this guy, Jim, talked about you, and whatever you want to do on the radio station, go ahead and do. And I said, you know, I think I'd like to do a show on the Beatles, and uh, that's, that's really how it started. And, uh, but about a year and a half after we put the show on the air, we began to syndicate it. The first station we were on was in Cincinnati. The first station that agreed to carry us was WKBW. When we were on WSAI, they had also, they moved a different frequency, but they brought the call letters back, and they were playing oldies as well. And they picked up the show as well. So my, I, I had a somewhat easy uh, path to get on the air on some stations. I had uh, on Buffalo and Cincinnati, both, both stations, because I worked in both markets for a long time, mm-hmm. picked up the show. And then that made it easier to get on other stations, and, and we went from there. Wow. But yeah, that was it. And, and the, the ultimate... The reason I wanted to do the show was not just because I, I knew the Beatles and really loved their music, but I, I wanted to do that to just tweak the nose of uh, all, the, all the acolytes of a guy named Bill Drake who came along and formatted disc jockeys and formatted the, the talent out of them and formatted the interesting, uh, anything interesting coming out of the, the, the speakers that, that's being produced by the microphone. Mm-hmm. He, he put limits on, in my opinion, he put limits on... Uh, how long jobs could talk, what they could say, when they couldn't talk. It just, just straightjacketed them. And radio right. stopped being interesting and stopped being fun, and that's why I quit. You know, And I wanted to show everybody in doing the Beatles show that you could do radio the way it was done and make it interesting and fun and compelling, and that there was room in the marketplace for it. And apparently, at least in some small way, I'm, I'm being vindicated. Right. Okay. Now, had, but had you had you always been a Beatles fan, pretty much, pretty oh, much yeah. all your life? You know, I, I, you know, in, in spending so much time, and I spend a lot of time every week in, in putting the show together and thinking about what I'm going to write and trying to think about new show ideas. I can't remember. I don't remember the first minute that I saw the Beatles. I remember there were a couple of girls that I went to high school with or junior high in that at that time that were nuts about them, and that, that may have been the first time I'd heard about them. I certainly remember seeing them on the Ed Sullivan show, and I was aware of them before that and already liked their music. And it was pretty obvious that, that they were an oasis. There was not a whole lot of interesting stuff going on in rock and roll at that point in 64. Mm-hmm. It was either a pale imitation of adult music or a bunch of novelty records, you know, mm-hmm. the Singing Nun or Alan Sherman or people like that. Mm-hmm. And the Beatles just re-energized rock and roll. The Beatles brought the same energy to rock and roll in 64 that Elvis and... Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard and, and that ilk brought to it in the mid-50s. And 
I mean, you listen to those records, you still hear that, and I think that's the selling point of, of those early records, at least, was that there was just so much... It was, you know, melodically and uh, in terms of the way the songs were written for pop songs. I mean, they were great songs, mm -hmm. and Beatles were great talents in terms of, of performing them, and uh, George Martin was brilliant as a producer and all that. But the energy underneath it just it was the thing that brought it all home, I think. that That's what made the kids bond to it. Plus, the, the whole thing about... You know, coming so close after Kennedy's assassination and mm -hmm. all that, I think that was also a factor that yeah. fire like nobody before or after, really. I, I hear you every now and then on some of the show segments mention, uh, you'll say something to the effect of, well, I remember this happening, or I remember when George said this, or when this happened, John, or uh, sadly, you talked about, you remember when... Uh, with the tragedy with John, uh, one of the saddest days of your life, you bring that personal element into it. It's not just you spouting off a bunch of facts and saying, here's the Beatles' shortest record, now here's their longest record. Um, yeah. Is is that what you wanted to do from the beginning, and do you ever find it hard to, to relive? Um, I won't go so far as to say relive, but you have to think back your state of mind during some of those times, whether they're happy or sad, or do you just put on the the hat of well, I am the host and uh, not not concentrate on the emotion? No, my my feeling. This goes back to that thing about being formatted. You know, once the the formatting came in, where people wanted to make the radio station. I, I worked for a guy, the guy who fired me in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Once uh, we had a jock meeting before he fired us, and he was bragging about the fact that he wanted the radio station to sound like a McDonald's. Wow. We want, we want this radio station to sound like McDonald's. In other words, he wanted to, you know, you go to any McDonald's in the, con in the country, and mm -hmm. the food is the same. Right. I don't think anybody would say that you're going to get gourmet food at McDonald's. It was just, um, uh, you know, it's, it's just the same. Well, you know, the great thing about listening to radio stations in my day was everybody was different. And it's my show, and I do what I, you know, I have, I have editorial control, if you will, over what I put on the air. And, I, I, you know, I rewrite what I do lots of times. And, you know, back, back when I would listen to jocks on, um, uh, when I was a kid, everybody was different. They said, you know, there were some guys that liked some records, some guys that didn't like them, and they didn't hesitate to say what they felt on the air. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the ethic or the ethos that I bring to the Beatles show. It's my show, and, and I bring that to it. I, I don't tend to think about it. You know, it's, that's just how radio was for me when it was most enjoyable. So that's what I bring to it. That's, that's, that's what I'm imitating, frankly. All right, you've been doing it for 10 years now. How hard is it for you to come up with those uh, subjects? The other thing about the Beatles show is I, I, I say that we have, like, two, two, two rules. One is uh, the show ends in 48 minutes. You've got to get it in 48 minutes. And the second is that you have, that, that everything we play relates to the Beatles or the Beatles music we play from the Beatles relates to something else we're talking about. So I've always thought that I, I wanted to do the show um, as if the Beatles were, if the Beatles were doing their own radio show like this. We've really opened the door up and, and done all kinds of shows. Shows on you know, the Beatles and the, the uh, Beatles and Boy Scout Law, the Beatles and the Seven Deadly Sins, um, uh, uh, Ten Ways to Save the World, I think is one show we did this year. You know, just things like that. In addition to all the other things. Uh, the, the 100 most frequently used words in the English language and those songs that appear as titles of Beatles songs. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. That, that um, 
you know, so, so if you're working on that on that broad a canvas, you don't tend to run out of ideas. And that's that's and also, you know, you, one of the great things about the Beatles is that you've got. 45 years worth of music from them, group and solo. And, you know, you also stay on top of of Beatle news, I guess you could say, uh, when something, a new book comes out or a new disc comes out, there is uh, something for you to talk about. Right. So... Yeah, I don't want... I, 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 I I'm shamelessly say I want to sell their records. I'm, I'm, and I won't say an album is great when it isn't. But I've never had an album uh, in the years we've been on the air to do. We've done a show about a new release, many of the, the members of the band. I've never, or the group itself, I've never had a bad album to, I've never had to lie about something. And I won't do that to the audience. You know, my my telling them the truth is really important to me. So, uh, but luckily, and luckily the Beatles have just con- continued to give me good music to, to talk about when they put out something new, either one at a time or all together. Now, you, uh, did one, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not for sure, I want to say within the last year with, uh, he did an interview with May Payne. Am oh, I saying yeah. that right? Yeah. I mean, that made some some big news in uh, Beetledome, if I may go that far, uh, where yeah. she said uh, John f- had full intentions of having a, a reunion, if, if only for one song, you know. Do you remember that? What was your thinking oh, of that when that happened, when she said boy, that? that? It, it blew me away, because I wasn't expecting to get that from her. And I wasn't, I, I don't even know, if, I, I don't even think I asked the question. I think it's just something she blurted out, and then I picked up on it and ran with it a little bit. And then I had Nancy Andrews, Ringo's um, girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. uh, on the show just a few weeks after that, and asked her about the same thing. And she pretty much said that, you know, there was always that vibe in the air, and there was always something that got in the way. Which I which did not get as much exposure, but uh, to me was was even more significant in that uh, you know she she basically confirmed May's claim right. and took it further, saying you know yeah they you know there was always some undercurrent of yeah let's get back together again and something invariably just blocked it. There was yeah. always something going on that that you know serendipitously just prevented it from ever happening. Yeah, and the sad thing is, you always think there's plenty of time. So there was like, you know, we got to, it wasn't like we've got to do this before 1980. You right. know, they always thought they'd have plenty of time. Right, you know. So. But, you know, frankly, it, I think one of the, the, the things that contributes to the Beatles legend was that they they went out on top and they made their bad records on their own. I mean, if, if you go back and, as, as so many people have, if you put together their solo tracks from... All the years, really, up until 80 and even beyond, if you want to uh, look at the, the remaining things from Lennon that came out after he died, you could put together a very representative Beatles album almost every year from, you know, for the next 10 years. The Beatles didn't really lose anything, but there was one year, 1971, which was really a lousy year. That's when John gave us some time in New York City, and Paul gave us wildlife, and George didn't give us anything. And the only good record that came out that year was uh, Ringo with Back Off Boogaloo. If the Beatles had put together an album that year, the, the blue may have come off the rose. The Beatles may really have given us a rotten record. But yeah. then again, part of the reason the music was so bad was they weren't working with each other, and they were all going through probably still the adjustment period to how the hell do I make these records without the other three Beatles in the room with me? Yeah. So that that's something that you know that they they probably wouldn't have even had to deal with that. Yeah. And I think that's that's a large part of the the myth is that these guys were never bad. Uh, when they were together, and and they kept getting better, and and they were still they were still getting better as they broke up. So it always leads to the question: How much better? What would the next thing have been 
after Abby wrote, how much better could they have gotten? And, of course, it's an unanswerable question, which leads to the fantasy of every fan. Sure. I'll have to say, and I think I've told you before, you did a couple of shows that I really liked. One of them was the, um, you did a whole show on all of their lawsuits uh, that came, I believe, yeah. after the breakup. Yeah, Beatles in Court. That's right. Yeah. Again, uh, I, I, after 500 of these, a lot of them don't come to mind quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always say that when, we, when I, I, I say this a lot to myself, is that we're, we're, we try to tell stories. Mm-hmm. On uh, on the show, we were not just there to play records and, and read little index cards. We're there to tell stories, and and I often say that that the music in the show. If I'm writing stories, it's like writing a magazine story, and the Beatles' music is like an illustration, like a picture in a magazine, explaining what we're doing, mm-hmm. but fleshing it out a little bit more. And yeah, that was, and I really like that because I I we. Uh, I, we we really do research this stuff, and, and I've I've got an associate producer named Jim Truicki, who's in Austin, Texas, who fact checks everything, and sometimes doesn't agree with what I I <laughs> write. Um, and he sent me an email to that effect today for a show we've got coming up in a number of weeks. <laughs> but it, again, I've got editorial control, and sometimes in the process of doing fifty-two shows a year, and you got to write each one, you don't often sacrifice things, but sometimes you just have to get the thing done. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, you. <laughs> I don't know if you're married. Some, you know, sometimes dinner has to go on the table and it isn't quite cooked. Yeah. You, know, you, just have to... <laughs> you pick your battles, so to speak. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to name a couple more and then, uh, and then let it go. Uh, one of them was you did a show on formats. And I think that even people born in the 70s don't realize all the different formats and even different mixes that went on those different formats. Just for example, the reprise of uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on the oh, 8-track yeah. version, and you right. played that. Right. Yes. Uh, another, another show I really liked, and and I'm sure I left some stuff off that show um, that I wanted, but that was that was a show that fascinated me. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I've held back some really good ideas once we really get into some big, big markets, once we're on here in Los Angeles and New York and Chicago. I've saved some other of the best ideas there but i that that was an idea i was really excited about and um and then was very pleased at, at how it wound up uh, coming out this finished product yeah. i really like that one too yeah. yeah all right i could probably sit here and talk shop with you for the another two three hours but uh one one more question you end the show every time with the phrase <laughs> what is it nurtures what is it? What do you say? For this edition of The Beatles Show, our associate producer is Jim Trawicki. Until next time, I'm Casey Petrowski. Thanks for listening. Nurgis Glompa. Nurgis Glompa. Okay, what is that? Again, it goes back to WKBW. They used to carry, again, something that rock radio used to do. They would carry a comedy bit. And this was a, a comedy soap opera that a, a brilliant man from Chicago, now out here in Los Angeles and has been for 30 years, named Dick Orkin did. Ah, Chicken Man. Chicken Man, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Chicken Man was caught, was got taken up in a flying saucer and called the commissioner of police's office and talked to the secretary, Miss Helfinger, and he's trying to ID where he is. And she says, well, do you see anything? Uh, well, there's a sign here in the phone booth, back when people still had phone booths. Yeah. And she says, what does it say? And he says, it says, Nurgis Glompa. And that was it. And then again, in those days, every disc jockey had a signature close to their shows, something they said at the end of every show. Yeah. And that just became mine, and it's been mine, you know, for, Jesus, the mid-60s. <laughs> we'll be... 
however long there's there's still a heart beating here and I'm still in front of a radio microphone. And you, you're just going to keep right on going with the show. You don't see any end in sight, right? No, no, we just got a syndicator. I'm in the process now of, of finishing up a movie that I'm writing, hmm. which is very funny. And uh, when that's done, then I begin to play producer and start looking for money to produce the film. And then we work on shooting that. And uh, so, uh, you know, plus, you know, doing other things just to pay the bills as any starving actor does out here. <laughs> and plus, uh, you know, uh, when I run out of ideas or if I find myself repeating too many stories, at that point I think I have to look at maybe wrapping it up. But I, I can't at this point. I'm just I'm just starting to, I'm just made a deal to keep the show going. So it's incumbent upon me to, to keep coming up with new ideas and, and hopefully better ideas to, to keep it viable, to make it good for however many more years we can do it. And again, I don't think run out of ideas the Beatles give us too much raw material for that now of course if you have any questions for Casey uh, you can email me here or if you have a comment about the show I know we'd love to hear that every now and then I get one I forward it to him he always likes hearing those right love it uh-huh. absolutely love it it's really very fulfilling it's that, to know that you know the, the worst the worst thing about radio is you're you're working uh, in isolation you're working in an isolation booth you never really know um, how the audience is responding. It's not like doing stage or, or doing having a, a live audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's only when the audience uh, gives you feedback to tell you how you are that you really get that buzz that, that we all go into show business for. Yeah. That, that, that drug. <laughs> exactly. That endorphin. That's right. <laughs> I know it well. All right. Well, Casey, I certainly do appreciate you being our guest today and uh, and then just keep us informed on everything that's going on. I will, Shane. Thank you so much for the time. This was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Really appreciate it. All right. You have a good one. You too, pal. Till next time, I'm Casey Petrowski. Thanks for listening. Nurgis Glompa. Enjoyed the show. You enjoyed the show. This has been Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. The new Plainfield UPS is now hiring part time package handlers and part time supervisors for three different shifts morning, evening, and late night. A weekly retention bonus, pension, Benefits and college tuition reimbursements are available for part-time UPS employees. More information on available positions, online applications, and scheduling an interview can be found at www.upsjobs.com.